You're now listening to the Fantasy Filler Podcast. Where we put you in the driver's seat every week, all year long. In the NASCAR racing world, from top news stories, latest results, and best fantasy lineups, we'll have you up to speed and out in front before the drop of the green flag. So let's dive in with our host, Vanilla Wafers. And just like that, week number five is in the books, as we will be talking about the Cup Series race, the AM Better 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Lots to talk about here in the second half of the race. The first half was a little bit lackluster, but let me tell you, there were some drivers who really did impress us, some other drivers who let us down throughout the race, and of course, some big takeaways that we're going to be talking about here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Final results, biggest takeaways, all that stuff will be covered on today's episode of the Fantasy Filler Podcast. Happy Monday to you all. Definitely still the biggest story to come out of this weekend is still from the X-Fandy series with Josh Williams parking his car at the start-finish line, throwing up the peace sign and walking to pit road. I don't think anything was going to beat that unless we had a two one-thousandths of a second finish here in the Cup Series race. Fortunately, we did not get that. However, we had ourselves a kind of exciting second half of this race. Like, there was a lot of enjoyment in the second half, but the first half, let me tell you, was kind of a snoozer. Like, there wasn't really that much going on. I think in the first half of the race, we only had, like, one incident. The other cautions were just from stages. It is what it is, though. Sometimes, when you go back to older super speedway races, that's mostly how they played out in the first half. They really tried to keep their cars clean, and then uh, craziness would happen in the second half, or even not at all. So, it kind of reminds me of an old super speedway race. With that being said... It's a little bit different from Talladega and Daytona because it's only really two to three wide maximum that you can do at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which begs the question for a lot of people, was it the right call for NASCAR to go change this track into a super speedway? I still believe that this was the right call. As much as people like Atlanta Motor Speedway, maybe it should have been Atlanta Motor Speedway, but unfortunately this track needed a repave. I think we needed a track that was very unique that we've never seen before. The way NASCAR is having things going now, they want to make every single race unique. And let me tell you, here at Atlanta Motor Speedway, that track is nothing compared to any other track that we see on the schedule. It should not be duplicated. At the same time, it should not be really just kicked to the dirt like I've seen a lot of people talk about. I I understand. Atlanta Motor Speedway had a lot of great finishes in the 2000s. Hell, there was even a good finish back in 2011 with Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, where it was an action-packed race for like the last 25 laps. But the last few races before the repave, they were some of the more boring races of the year. I think in 2019 and 2020, many polls from a lot of the fan bases considered the Atlanta races to be the most boring races of the year. So something definitely had to change. Just unfortunately, people didn't want too much of a super speedway at such an iconic track, but it is what it is. That's just where we're at. I'm pretty sure if they would have did this at Texas Motor Speedway, people would have adored it. But unfortunately, at that time, Texas Motor Speedway didn't need the repave. It was Atlanta. With that being said, still got a lot of takeaways to talk about here in this race. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Here is the race results for the AM Better Health 400 at Atlanta.
Alright, so in the fifth race of the 2023 season, we had 36 cars on the entry list, 5 cautions for 34 laps, and 20 lead changes amongst 13 different drivers. There was a lot of drivers who had an opportunity to lead a lap here and there, and but I believe the strongest drivers were able to finish 1-2 in this race. And I always think that's very important for an overall good race, and we got it here as the strongest driver was Joey Logano in the number 22, leading 140 laps, winning stage one, almost winning stage two, and by far the strongest competitor in this race, ends the streak from the Chevrolets and brings Ford back into victory lane. I think a lot of people were questioning Joey Logano after his rough finish at both Las Vegas and Phoenix, not really being much of a competitor at neither of those two tracks. So definitely coming back to a super speedway and just showing the amount of talent that he did here in this race. Has to feel really, really good for the 2022 champion and all the Joey Logano fans. I had a feeling that he was going to definitely get stage points. I did not think he was going to be there at the end. I'd just seen it in the past, but scored almost the maximum amount of points that you can get in a race. 59 fantasy points. So if you had him on your fantasy roster, that was definitely an amazing payout for you and your team. Right behind him, so close to get in his first victory in the last couple of years, the number six of Brad Keselowski, the only driver in the Cup Series right now who has gotten a top 10 in every single race. Who would have thought last year that Brad Keselowski would be the one who has the most top 10s going into the first five races? The team, it's it's completely night and day for RFK Racing, especially in this number six car. I think on average for the first five races, they finished like around 21st. That was like their average finish. Now, they have led laps in... I think every single race as well, in this race, they were so close to getting that victory. They were honestly one lap away. They were the leader. He even said it himself in pre-race. He didn't want to be the leader going into the final lap. And unfortunately, that was just the situation. You had Joey Logano with a full head of steam be able to get past him there on the back straightaway and run to victory. No accidents either. So bravo to all these guys here, but going a little off topic, Brad Keselowski has definitely found his rhythm with his new team. And I'm so happy to see that. The last thing I want to see is a super talented driver like a Brad Keselowski or other drivers like Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, who we know have the talent, but cannot get back into victory lane and sometimes has some crummy finishes. At least for Brad Keselowski, he's starting to get a second win with RFK Racing. So great performance by these two Ford drivers. Right behind them in the third spot was the number 20 of Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell, I was a little nervous by saying he was going to be the strongest Toyota here in this race, but at the same time, he's been showing that he is starting to get a lot better here at the Super Speedways and starting to lead the brigade for the Toyota camp. So great job for him to get the top three finish. Unfortunately, I really don't think there was going to be a shot for him to get the victory because he was the one who pushed Brad Keselowski on the final lap on the top line and Joey Logano was able to come in on the inside line and then he moved up in front of him. So at that point, Christopher Bell's day of getting the victory was over. But still, great performance to be there when it mattered the most. Just no room there at Atlanta to have a three-way battle there for the lead. It is what it is. But still, like I said, top three finish, not that bad. But the driver we got to talk about the most, the definitely the most impressive driver, and hopefully you guys used him as your one driver here for this weekend, that was Corey LaJoy in the number seven. He has been a huge commodity for a lot of fancy teams when it comes to Atlanta Motor Speedway, and he proved it right here in this race. Just running around in the top 10 throughout the entire race, if, you know what, Joey Logano, if he has to thank anybody, it is Corey LaJoy. 
because in those final few laps, I don't know if you guys remember, that top line was super strong. Brad Keselowski led the top line while most of Team Penske was down on the bottom line, and they were starting to lose a, little, a lot of ground. I think at one point, they were three car lengths behind the leader, and that is very concerning if you were on that inside line. Maybe a few of them were starting to bail on and say, you know what, I'm going back up to the top line. This is a, this is a done deal. Looks like Brad Keselowski's going to win. But then Corey LaJoy comes down with Brad Keselowski, pushes him up to the front, and gives Joey Lagan that last lap pass. So Corey LaJoy, a competitor throughout the entire race, but he also gave Joey Logano the victory. Hopefully Joey Logano remembers that in the future. I know he's kind of a selfish driver on the racetrack. But if it wasn't for Spire Motorsports there, I don't think Team Penske was in victory lane. So great job for Corey LaJoy. The team has made leaps and bounds from what they were last year. I think Corey LaJoy was trying to make it into the top 30 in points by this summer stretch. And right now he's currently 15 in points. Great job for that number 17. Wish they could do the same thing for number 77 to Ty Dillon, but maybe that just shows how good of a driver Corey LaJoy actually is for this team. So good job right there. And then rounding up the top five, another Toyota, Tyler Reddick in the 45. If there was any fears about Tyler Reddick in these first few races, and believe me, I had a lot of fears about him on how he was going to do with 2311. It's now gone. He has shown that the cobwebs are starting to clear up and he is a super strong competitor and we're seeing why he was able to move up into the Cup Series so quickly and why he's been able to get a few victories. I would not be surprised if Tyler Reddick is a top competitor at Circuit of the Americas. We saw how good he was at road courses last year. Granted, was that was with a different team and Toyota was struggling, but I think he'll be the strongest performer out of that group. He really should be based on what we saw last year and based on how this team is starting to make so many improvements in that number 45 car. Tyler Reddick able to get a top five here in this race. Kind of a type of racing that he typically struggles to finish. This case, able to get the top five. Let's go through the rest of the top 10. We have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Then we got the number 12 of Ryan Blaney in seventh. Eighth place, the number 43 of Eric Jones. Ninth place, the number 54 of Ty Gibbs. And rounding up the top 10, the number eight of Kyle Busch. The biggest name that pops out to me here in this top 10 was one, Corey LaJoy, but second, Ty Gibbs. Definitely starting to get stuff going in the right direction for him as well. I don't think he is in a spot to get a victory yet at this time. There's still a lot for him to learn. But if he's able to get top 10s here and there, I'd say that's going to be a great start for your rookie season. We've we've seen rookies just struggle so much the last couple of years. I don't think it's like what it was before when you had Denny Hamlin running for a championship in his rookie year. Or who was another one? Uh, Clint Boyer getting um, a few competitive races. Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman, all those guys running so well. Tony Stewart. The cars were very, very similar to what they were in the X-Fandy series. Now compare them to like apples and oranges. Completely different cars. So they don't really have an opportunity to really prepare to jump into the Cup Series car. Minus the simulators that they get, which can only get you so far. But Ty Gibbs, let's compare to what he was doing last year in the 45 car, just struggling to try to make a top 20 finish. Now he's here with Joe Gibbs Racing, definitely seeing a lot better runs out of him and a couple top 10 runs. Keep getting those top 10 runs. It should be also another interesting driver here in this road course race coming up. Ty Gibbs, although I don't think he is worth a top spot in fantasy, he is starting to show that 
hey, he's starting to get stronger finishes as a driver. You also had Eric Jones in the 43 get a top 10. You guys got to watch the replay on Eric Jones. This is kind of a little bit of a side note here. But Eric Jones, I think, was like 15th on the last lap. And he ran the middle of the racetrack, just split the gaps between all those drivers and was able to finish 8th. Eric Jones, unfortunately, didn't get any stage points, wasn't really a strong competitor in this race, but at least he was able to get a top 10 at the end. But if you can find that replay on Twitter or YouTube, just look on what he was able to do in the last lap, able to make like seven passes, almost reminded me of like a Dale Earnhardt at Talladega. Of course, Dale Earnhardt was doing a lot of bobbing and weaving on the outsides and insides, but to see him just shoot right through the middle and make that many passes was pretty cool to see. So we talk about the drivers who really impressed us here in the top 10. Let's talk about the drivers who let us down in this race. Let's go to the opposite end and talk about the other RFK car, Chris Busher. Just a bummer that he was not able to avoid the accident. I think if he avoids that accident, he's right there with his teammate. Probably going to get a top five finish as well. Scored stage points. It's just a bummer he got caught up in that incident. So yes, great run for him. But on a fantasy standpoint, a huge bummer to have him on your roster. He seems to be one of those drivers that could stay out of trouble just for this situation. He was caught up in that big incident that happened between Kevin Harvick and Ross Chastain. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Let's talk about Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick, I did not think he was going to be a strong one to go with because I thought he was going to be running around in the top 15. He at one point led a lap and leading that lap cost him the race because that's when he got taken out. Just a huge bummer for him there. He finishes 33rd. William Byron, uh, I think we were brought back to reality that William Byron is mostly caught up in every single incident that happens at a super speedway race. He finishes 32nd. Eric Amarola and Kyle Larson, they were also a leader situation that just gone bad as Eric Amarola decided to stay out, do a tire strategy, but the tires would not last that long. Goes sideways and he takes out Kyle Larson with him. I I tell people that Kyle Larson is just not a good pick to go with at super speedways, but he's showing really good runs. Really, really good. I will not be surprised if he gets another top five. The, The only thing I worry about is when is that top five going to happen? Like most of the time he's wrecking out and I just don't feel comfortable when I know he's going to do good at almost every other type of racetrack and super speedways is kind of a toss up. So that's why I say that hopefully one day you can get a victory, but I feel like everything, the plants are going to have to align before Kyle Larson finds himself in victory lane at a super speedway package race. Uh, Eric Amarola, just no luck in the world. He He's in a Denny Hamlin situation from last year. If you guys remember Denny Hamlin last year, He had some really good cars, but just struggled to finish. Like, everything happened to him. That's where Eric Amarola is at the moment. Led 17 laps in this race, had a pretty decent car. Uh, The strategies worked out for him, and then a tire blows out. Completely out of his control. Like, no chance of him to save that car. And just ruins his car at that point, and he finishes 30th. Another bad finish for the Smithfield team. Hopefully the luck will pick back around. I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe a Richmond Raceway would be a track that I see the number 10 car bouncing back. But man, just having that much bad luck at the beginning of the season just shows signs that whew, that's a uphill battle for Stuart Haas Racing in that number 10 car. Bubba Wallace in the number 23 was another big disappointment here in this race. The first one to cause an incident and from then on just never got his laps back. Finished 27th overall in this race. 
I don't know what's going on with Bubba Wallace right now when it comes to super speedways, but he has not been a factor. Daytona, not a factor. Atlanta, definitely not a factor. So... I don't know. They've taken a step backwards right now. Almost worries to be putting him in for Talladega. We'll have to see. But Bubba Wallace may not be the greatest super speedway racer like we thought he was compared to last year. Because right now, he is just not having good performances at the super speedways. And one last driver to touch on who did not have himself a great performance. Michael McDowell in the 34. Man, definitely the crew chief change has really affected this team in such a negative uh, aspect. I mean, I last year getting top tens left and right. This year struggling to make it into the top twenty. I, I don't know what's going on, but Michael McDowell now needs to be someone who needs to show us why he needs to be on our fantasy rosters rather than expecting him to do good at these types of racetracks. Just didn't really perform him nor Justin Haley. So uh, drivers that we usually expect do good at super speedways just really didn't show up. Especially some of the mid tier drivers that we don't really think about at many racetracks. I said that it was going to be Justin Haley, Michael McDowell, and Bubba Wallace that would really impress us, and they just didn't, so very interesting there. We talked about the good, we talked about the bad, now let's talk about some of the ugly moments here in this race. Let's start off with the first half, we'll get it out of the way real quickly since we just touched on it earlier, just guys trying to make it to the end of the race. There's just no other way to put it. Uh, If you even heard from Dale Earnhardt back in the 90s, he usually said, don't watch the first half of the race. Just wait till the very end because they're going to be just having a train go around on the outside lane for the entire time just trying to make it to the finish. Kind of felt like that in the first half here of this race. I mean, at least we had a lot of cars competing there near the end, but it would have been atrocious if they never at one point decide to start running competitive because we've seen that at some points at Talladega. So there's always that fear in the back of our mind that ooh, it could potentially happen here at Atlanta. Luckily, that was not the case, but very ugly first half. A lot of people did not like that. And speeding penalties. Speeding penalties were super ugly here in this race because they decided to move the pit road entrance to the entrance of turn three. People did not like it, but it was the best solution for a big problem that they had last year. You just couldn't go on pit road during green flag runs. You were just going to get run on over on the exit of turn four. So to put the entrance on turn three, it was kind of a quick fix. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward because if you get caught with a speeding penalty, you'll go three laps down and your day's pretty much done unless you're Ryan Blaney. Somehow he was able to get three laps back and finish seventh. I don't know how he was able to do that, but good good job for him. Other people, just not never able to recover. So if you got a speeding penalty, that was an ugly, ugly situation for you. And one last thing to talk about. We got to talk about this one. Mike Joy giving grief to the fans, calling them keyboard warriors whenever he brought something up. Ooh, I don't know, Mike Joy. You're one, You're my favorite announcer of all time. I have so much respect in the world for Mike Joy. But, man, to call the fan base keyboard warriors, ooh, that is not a good thing to say. So if you guys are a little bit unaware, so what happened was a lot of people were really upset about the commercials. The side-by-side commercials, the full-screen commercials from Daytona, a lot of people lashed out on it. Mike Joy is very active on Twitter, so he sees all the positive and negative comments, mostly the negative comments. Usually people on Twitter, including myself, just like to vent their anger. It's just how it is. And he did not like it. It really did rub him the wrong way, but I I think he was just trying to talk about the people online, but he used a term that's kind of more aggressive to people online. So Mike Joy, we love you. 
Just make sure when you say a certain name, make sure it's a proper name and not a Boolean name. It is what it is. And he was talking about the green flag, yellow flag uh, line that they've been doing during the races, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy seeing that aspect. I think that's really cool. And I also like what they added on for the last lap, showing the green flag light in the bottom right corner. That's really cool. It gives us the fans an idea when the caution came out so we can have kind of a clear idea at that moment or fairly decent idea in that moment that's like, okay, it's going to be right around this spot because back then you just had to make a guess when they threw the caution. You were just praying that they threw it at the right time and you have to wait like five to 10 minutes if it was a really close finish there at the end when they threw the caution. Now that we have that in the corner, fans can feel like they're more involved. So something I really enjoyed them doing there. And the last ugly moment I want to talk about here in this race is of course the leaders getting taken out more specifically, Kevin Harvick spinning out in front of the field and it looked like Ross Chastain once again caused the big one. Uh, So thank goodness it wasn't the case, but we looked at that incident uh, with Kevin Harvick leading. Ross Chastain was right behind him. Then we see Kevin Harvick get sideways. Ross Chastain looks like he finishes the job and many cars get taken out of the race. And once again, people think to themselves, Ross Chastain is at it again. He caused another big one at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Luckily, this was not the case, and even Kevin Harvick said himself that he he was not the one who took him out. He just got loose with him being that close to the back end. But definitely, if Ross Chastain would have took out another driver near the front and caused another big one, then it would be clear that he is one of the more dirtier racers out there on the racetrack. I think he already has that stigma. But when you cause that many big ones, you start to almost get the same stigma as Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who still carries that to this day, even though he hasn't caused a big one in the last couple of super speedway races. So that incident, luckily, it wasn't as ugly as we thought. It was just unfortunate that the car in the front got that loose from the air behind. But at the same time, if it was going to happen to anybody or around anybody, it was going to be Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain, by the way, finished 13th in this race. Not much of a factor at all. Didn't even score stage points. So he was a bit of a bummer, but at least he was able to finish in the top 15. And like I said, he technically never started an accident in the race. So they give him that. Overall... I'd say it was an all right race. It looks like, according to the fans, they think it was a little bit better than the Las Vegas and Phoenix race. So that's definitely a step in the right direction. Hopefully the summer race is a little bit more exciting. I think it was the more weaker race out of the weekend. The X-Men D-Series race definitely was leaps and bounds better. And you don't really want the minor league races to be better than the Cup Series product. Fortunately, that was the case here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Excitement rise, if we had a rate out of 10, uh, first half, give that a 2 at best, but the second half, give that a solid 8, so I'd say overall for a race, I'd say about 6 for excitement. Competitiveness, uh, let's give that a 7. You had Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano putting up some really good fights there throughout the race. Memorability, I'd give it a 5. I don't think this is going to be really a race that stands out to us here for the 2023 season. And as far as rewatchability... Probably also will give it a 6 out of 10. It's just, if you want to go back and watch the big ones that happened, there were two big ones. But other than that and the last lap drama, there there really wasn't really much that else to really pay attention to. So an okay race at Atlanta, but definitely not going to be going for race of the year in 2023. <laughs> the final results for today's episode guys thank you so much for listening as far as our fantasy league went we had three people score 200 plus points great job to you guys maybe not the same level as phoenix but hey 
We had a lot of people very close to that spot. If anyone's getting over 200, that's always a really good weekend. I was one of them, but it was in a different league. I was wondering, what the hell? Why is that the case? I forgot to copy my picks on over to the NASCAR Fantasy Filler League. The the most important league. I forgot to copy my picks. So it is what it is. I suffer with a brutal 130 points thanks to my picks from Phoenix. But it is what it is. But anyway, here's the top three from this weekend. In the third spot, we have Powder Spring Maulers was able to score 223 points. In the second spot, one of the more dominant people here this year, Hebrew Hammer, scoring 225 points. And the winner of this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, NY having fun at 236. Congratulations to you guys. You guys were the top performers here this weekend. Here were the top fantasy drivers overall as far as fantasy points went, scoring 59 points in the first spot. Obviously, the number 22 with Joey Logano, a tie for second place as we had Austin Sindrick with 45 points. Nobody really expected Austin Sindrick to do that well, but he won stage two and he was able to finish second in stage one, so good job for him. Brad Keselowski ties him as well with 45 stage points. Had the better finish, but not the same stage finishes as Austin Sindrick. That's why they had the same amount, even though they were separated by nine positions. And then right there in the third spot, we have with 40 points, the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. And then right behind him, it's another tie between Christopher Bell and the number 20. And Tyler Reddick in the number 45, they were both able to score 39 points each. If you were able to have those guys out as part of your fantasy team, then you had yourself the perfect run. And one last thing to talk about that was also really disgusting that I needed to talk about with Brad Keselowski. It's a funny video. You got to go watch it on Twitter and probably on TikTok at this point. Brad Keselowski, after the race, really had to use the bathroom, ran straight to the bathroom, forgot to lock the door, and Denny Hamlin walked in on him. <laughs> if you can find that video, it's hilarious. So not only does Brad Keselowski not get the victory in a race that he was so close to, he also now has a video where he forgot to lock the door and a driver walked in on either himself taking a whiz or more than likely him taking a dump. So there it is there. I'm pretty sure it wasn't smelling like King Hawaiians in that porta potty. If you want to follow me on social media, you can look me up at Vanilla Wafers on TikTok, YouTube, or Twitter. I will pop up as that is my name for every single one of those. Just released a new video on YouTube as it's talking about the most recent injuries that happened in NASCAR and what was the aftermath after them. It's been getting a lot of traction already in just a couple of hours. I've had it up on YouTube, so I'm probably going to make a part two. There's a lot of stories to talk about there, and it was really a lot of fun to make and you guys seem to enjoy it on uh, TikTok I'm going to be posting a NASCAR therapy episode I don't think I'm going to be having much trouble posting that video here this week because there's a lot to talk about and on Twitter if you ever want to ask me questions or you want to talk to me during the race you can do so on there I'm pretty active on race day Next week, it's going to be Circuit of the Americas. We're going to talk about our fantasy picks either Thursday or Friday, depending on time. I might potentially be at that race. I got an offer from one of the eNASCAR teams. It's not confirmed yet, but there's a chance that I could be there during the weekend. It would be an amazing opportunity to go see that Formula One racetrack and to see probably the Daytona 500 version of NASCAR road courses. But we will have to see if that happens, but there is a chance I could be at Circuit of the Americas. Let's wrap up things right there, though. I have been your host, Vanilla Wafers, and I have been able to lead you to the front of the field. So why don't we grab that checkered flag, do some burnouts, and head on out. So you all take care. This has been the Fantasy Filler Podcast.